Ecclesiastes is a book written by an old man who didn't finish well in life. I'm speaking of Solomon. Fascinating study in scripture, and as a young man, he asked for one thing, for wisdom, and he was wise. But over time, he made sinful choices in life. He took on way too many wives, more than one is too many. And uh, his heart went after the gods of his wives, and he didn't end well. No guarantees to life, is there? A good start doesn't guarantee a good finish. Ecclesiastes was, was probably written as a form of redemption for Solomon. I think a lot of authors write books to redeem themselves from a life maybe not lived or a, a shortfall in their lives. Solomon wanted to warn us about the emptiness of life lived without God. We come to the 12th chapter of Ecclesiastes this morning. Uh, this is the last of a topical series that we did at the end of this year. Next week we begin in Matthew. But Ecclesiastes 12 is about the end of life. I recently uh, wrote my father's obituary, and so I wanted to go online to study obituaries to find out what they were all about. And so I, I drew some ones I wanted to read to you this morning that I found interesting. Uh, this was from a fellow named William Freddie McCullough. The man, the myth, the legend, men wanted to be him, and women wanted to be with him. Freddie McCullough died on September 11, 2013. Freddie loved deep-fried chick southern Fried food smothered in cane syrup, fishing at Santee Cooper Lake, Little Debbie Cakes, Two and a Half Men, Beautiful Women, Reese's Cup, and Jim Beam, whoever that was. I don't know who that is. Not necessarily in that order. Uh, this is one by Harry Weatherspoon Stamps. Harry took fashion cues from no one. His signature everyday look was his, was all his, a plain pocketed t-shirt designed by the fashion house Fruit of the Loom. His black label elastic waist shorts worn above the navel and sold exclusively on Sam's on Route 49. And a pair of old school wannabes, wallabies, whatever those were. Some of you older people have to tell me what wallabies were. Uh, this one uh, was uh, by Mary Pink Mullany, and on her obituary they wrote, We were blessed to learn many valuable lessons from Pink during her 85 years. Among them, never throw away old pantyhose. Use the old ones to tie gutters, child-proof cabinets, tie toilet flappers, or hang Christmas ornaments. Also, if a possum takes up residence in your shed, grab a barbecue brush to coax him out. If he doesn't leave, brush him for 20 minutes and let him stay. I thought that would read, brush him for 20 minutes and flip him on the grill, but it doesn't, doesn't say that. Obituaries are funny things, aren't they? I was honored to write my father's. A life, in my opinion, as his son, was well-lived. 
And what would your obituary say if it were written today? What would your kids write? There's a lot of things in life you don't choose, and you probably don't get to choose who writes the obituary. What would it say? You know, you have a lot to do with that, you know, the choices of our lives, how we will live, the things that our children and grandchildren and friends will remember about us. Solomon had good advice when he wrote this. He says, remember also your creator in the days of your youth. The word remember is the Hebrew zekar, zekar, and it means to set up a memorial to always have it on the mind. It was the idea in Old Testament times when a great victory was wrought and they set stones up for a monument so that they wouldn't forget what the Lord had done for them. Notice it says, remember your creator the one who made you. We are created beings, you know, which implies someone made us. Now, no one creates nothing without purpose. And your creator has created you and I with purpose in life. Remember also your creator, notice in the days when you are young, when you're strong, Warning before the evil days come. Evil doesn't mean sinful, it just means weaker and less able to do things. And the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. We all get to that place someday. I want to read to you this out of the ESV and talk to you because I think it's beautiful analogies of the dying process, or at least the aging process. But then I want to read it to you in a different translation that may help you some. But I think sometimes if we run to an easier translation, we can lose some of the beauty of the descriptions. And this is beautiful literature in anyone's definition of the description of death. Or, or aging. Notice it says, someday you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and light and the moon and stars are darkened, life takes on a gray look to it. And the clouds return after the rain. Bad news upon bad news. The sunny days are gone and everything seems cloudy. Now, if you're under 40, 50, you just try to picture this. Those of us who are advancing closer to 60 and 70 and 80 will get more of these analogies. But you know it's coming. Notice they'll return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble, what are the keepers of the house? I think it's the arms. I take a swing at you, you'll block me with the arms. And you'll do this someday. Be careful not to make fun of old people and the things they do, because you'll do those things someday. So there's a trembling of the arms. 
Jesus. Notice, and the strong men are bent. Strongest muscle and bone on your body are your legs and your thighs. And they won't always be straight and strong. They will become bow-legged and the bones will bend. And the grinders cease because they are few. I love this description. What grinds the meat? It's your teeth. And you will lose them. I was horrified in writing, in, in writing to Augusta, Georgia with Mike for him to tell me the story of a wisdom tooth that he pulled out himself with a pair of pliers. Yes, it hurt and Mike didn't have insurance and so he, he yes, he'd heard his grandfather had done it and if it was good enough for grandpa, it was good enough for Mike and so he, he set the tablecloth out with several different instruments and Gina, his wife, walked by him and said, Mike, what are you doing? He said, I'm fixing to pull my tooth out. She said, no, you're not. He said, yes, I am and you're going to help. She said, no, I'm not. (laughs) And out the door she went. Mike grabbed the first set of pliers. It started, but it it lost grip, so he got the bigger set and clamped down. He tried to put a rag on it, but he couldn't make sure it was the right tooth. And he clamped down on that tooth and gave it all he got and that thing came out. Instant relief. Upon telling my son-in-law that, he said that's not the smartest thing, but he sure earned some man points for that. (laughs) Yeah. The scary thing, he says, the other wisdom tooth is hurting. Notice the grinders cease because they are few, and those who look through windows are dim. With your eyes, you can't see like you used to see. I was amazed as Caleb led you and he had the little tiny print right there. I'm watching that little tiny print. He said, oh, I can see that fine. I couldn't see that if I pressed my eyes half an inch away. I couldn't see that. Our eyes will begin to dim. And the doors of the street are shut. When the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a a light sleeper and all the daughters of song are brought low, the vocal cords can't carry the tunes like they used to carry the tunes. If you can carry a tune, by all means, sing all you can because someday you won't be able to sing. I think of Julie Andrews. What a beautiful, magnificent voice she had. Use your stuff while you got it. That's one of the heartbreaks of her life that she can't sing anymore. Notice it goes on and says, they are also afraid of what is high. No more roller coasters for me. The last slippy slide I went down to was wild waters and I went around and around and my head banged against that that tube so loud that when I got to the bottom, the guy at the bottom said, man, are you all right? I heard that. It was one of those bangs where my teeth, you know, the whole jaw thing came loose. And I sat in that water and thought, never again. (laughs) Nothing high again. When I was a kid, I jumped off 40-foot cliff at Nickerson's campgrounds into the water. 40-foot cliff I climbed up and jumped off several times. No big deal. No more. Never see me on anything high again. This is the highest thing you'll see me on. 
and terrors are in the way. You ever wonder why old people are worried about everything? You ever wonder why your parents are scared of everything? The older you get, the worse it is, the more phobias you have, the more terrified you have, because you know what life can do. You know how quick it can be over. That's why your parents and grandparents are scared to have you go out of the house sometimes. Terror. The almond tree blossoms. <laughs> almond blossoms are white, and the hair grows white. I remember years ago, I was in some hamburger place on 103rd, and uh, a fellow, a good friend of mine from our old church came in, and he had his son, who was 12, 13 years old, and he looked across to me, and he said, hey, hey, you got grandpa hair. I want to take that kid and just choke him right there. <laughs> Shut up, man. The grasshopper drags itself along. You used to be a grasshopper. Man, you could run and fly and jump. you dragging in life. That's old age, man. You're just dragging that leg. And desires fail. The appetite and other desires in life because man is going to his eternal home. And mourners go about the street. Let me read it to you out of the Message Bible. I don't recommend this translation on for many reasons, but occasionally it's, it's, it's interesting to see Peterson's take on a particular passage, and this is one of them that he does quite well at. So this is that same rendering out of the message. Honor and enjoy your creator while you're still young, before the years take their toll and your vigor wanes, before your vision dims and the world blurs and the winter years keep you close to the fire. In old age, your body no longer serves you so well. Muscles slacken, the grip weakens, joints stiffen, shades are pulled down on the world. You can't go, come and go at will. Things grind to a halt. The hum of household fades away. You are wakened now by song, bird song. Hikes to the mountain are a thing of the past. <laughs> Hikes to the mountain are a thing of the past. I like that. Every stroll down the road has its terrors. Your hair turns apple blossom white, adorning a fragrant and impotent matchstick body. Yes, you're on your way to your eternal rest while your friends make plans for your funeral. One of the secrets to a life well lived is to understand you don't have much of it left and that you need to grasp every moment of every day and make choices that you can live with and that you're happy with. Choices. Choices to value people over things. Choices to understand that the value of life has nothing to do with your bank account or your property. Everything to do with the relationships that you nurture. I'm sorry, let me say that again. Everything to do with the relationships that you nurture. You ever seen two people at a, you ever been two people at a restaurant didn't have anything to say to each other? Just kind of stared off into the plate? Oh, I, have you ever been two people at the, the restaurant who just stared at their iPhones instead of each other? 
Yeah, I'm fixing to step on all of our feet. Put those things away and look into people's eyes and think of intelligent things to say in a conversation that matters. Because you just don't know how much life you've got left. So worried about the mess around the house, we miss the kids. I know it's important to keep things picked up, but it's also important to let them go wild sometimes and crazy and bounce off the furniture. I can only preach this because Karen's not here. <laughs> and tickle them and wrestle with them and love them and kiss them. Take them outside. I watched a beautiful thing last two weeks ago when I watched my grandkids landing in Lorelei. They were in front of the TV. It was a, you know, I said, yeah, let's just... They were out back in a few minutes. And there was Lorelai walking back and forth in the yard, singing a song back and forth. She was performing out there. She was using a thing called imagination. You don't get that from Disney. With the shows. They tell you what to think. She's out there creating in her mind. Landon's out there swinging on the swing back and forth singing, picking up sticks. He brought me a, he brought me a grasshopper. He named it Pete. He brought me a grasshopper on a stick. He played with that thing for an hour. It would fly off and he would grab it up and he'd bring it over and we'd talk to Pete and off Pete went. This is what's valuable. This is what they'll remember us for. This is what creates life and relationships. Just don't know how much time we've got left. End of the year. Might be the end of our lives. We may not make it. I know. The preacher always says, you may not make it into 2000. You may not make it into 2018. I don't know. Let's go on in the description. Man is going to his eternal home. Did you catch that? This is not our home. Everything we've got down here is temporary. This world lies to us. It has lied to us from the cradle. It will lie to us to the grave, telling us that this stuff is is real and, and permanent and eternal. It's not. It's not. It's, it's real, but with a small R. The capital R stuff is the eternal stuff. Notice, and the mourners go about the streets before the silver cord is snapped and the golden bowl is broken. Or the the pitcher is shattered at the fountain and the wheel broken at the cistern. Man, that's beautiful literature. The Bible ought to be taught in every literature class at every school in the world. It has some of the most incredible, picturesque, Visions that you can imagine. Well done, Solomon. And the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the Spirit returns to God who gave it. There it is. What keeps you buzzing is the Spirit that God has put into you. I've been, enough, I've been around enough bodies who were dead in my occupation, to know that when I look at them, it is nothing. I always get the same thought. It is a shell. The real spirit of the person is gone. The 
The real you is not the physical. We're pretty tied up in that physical stuff, though, aren't we? Vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is empty. Verse 9, besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. Here's a writer who cared about the quality of his writing. Notice all the adjectives he's weighing and studying and arranging with great care. preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. What are these words of truth like in verse 11? The words of the wise are like goads and like nails, firmly fixed, are, collected, are the collected sayings they are given by one shepherd. One of the aims and goals of life is to communicate truth and reality to those all around us, through our lives. When we teach our children well, when we teach our grandchildren well, when we are good friends and good mates and we share truth with them, it is like nails that nail stuff in that can't be pulled apart. Solid and secure, not loose. What's going to be written on your obituary? What's going to be written on your tombstone? I'd like to write those things. Honestly, I can't tell you what I'd write on my tombstone, but I don't get to write that, though. Somebody else does. And what will they remember me for? That I could stand in front of people and shout and scream? I hope not. But that apart from this, everything I share up here is real between the four walls and the sheetrock of my house. What will they write on all of our obituaries? One last encouragement from Solomon, who didn't pull this off, and yet he still said it to us. Verse 13, the end of the matter. All has been heard. This is the big deal. Fear God. Keep his commandments. This is everything. That's the whole deal. That's the whole duty of a man. Please notice the order. It's not obedience, then blessing. It's blessing, then obedience. It's respecting God. It's honoring and revering him above all things so that whatever he says to us carries the greatest weight, not what we think. Growing in grace requires we constantly think, rethink and refashion in our minds what is God's ways versus my selfish, self-centered ways. Fearing God means listening to him. And in listening, there is a natural obedience. Do what he tells you to do. Most of us know, in fact, all of us who know Christ, know what he tells us to do. The question is the fear thing. 
the honoring, the respecting, the awestruck respect of our God. If you respect someone, you don't question the authority. You just don't. Respect is the huge deal. If you know respect is required in love, if you don't respect, you don't love. In fact, most of our relationships break down because we've forgotten to respect other people and respect ourselves in doing that. It's the whole duty of man. It's everything. So what you what you gonna what you gonna do? There's so much in life that's chosen for us by our God, who brings in our path. But there's an awful lot of things that we choose every day to do and to not to do and to go and say and not to say that determines the outflow of our lives. Proverbs tells us that even a child is known by their goings. And that's true, isn't it? Whether their way be good or whether their way be bad. If it's true of a child, it's true of all of us. One last word of encouragement. Life's not over till it's over. You do not have to stay the person you are. I'm learning in, in writing and I'm learning and studying the craft and, and, and watching movies, you can always see this, and reading good books, there's always the moment. It's the defining moment in the book. It's the defining moment in the movie. It's the movie of, will the protagonist, will the hero go on and conquer? Or will he shrink back and go back to the familiar? Will he become something that he wasn't before the whole conflict came in? Or will he just... And so that's called, When they don't, that's called a tragedy. I don't like tragedies. I like happy endings. I like the hero to go on. Become something he is not. Become something she is not. Change. You know why we love that stuff? You know why we love that moment where we don't know what that guy or girl is going to do in the book or in the movie? Because that's us. We get that moment. You have that moment today. You can choose to go into 2018 with a deeper faith in Jesus Christ a greater commitment to his cause and his work in our lives, focused on him, determined, because his life life dwells in us.